Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. We're going to continue on with our Reply All series. Now, the funny thing is, is that we did in in August and September a whole message series on family. We called it Raising G-Rated Kids in an X-Rated World. And I thought you guys were going to be good on family messages until... Christ returns again. You know, I thought we're good. We crossed that base, but uh, but that was the number one requested topic that you guys wanted to talk about again. So I, maybe it's because you guys have so many beautiful kids and you need a lot of help. So uh, so we're gonna stay in that vein today. Again, this is back by the overwhelming demand. Like this was the number one most requested topic through reply all you all want to talk about the family so we're going to dig into it so go with me to nehemiah chapter four and uh, this is going to be the end of our reply all series next week we start a brand new series i would love for you to be here it's going to go through the month of november and then in december we got another series and then it's 2023 everybody can you believe it just like that just like that so uh so we can't wait to see you this friday um you need to be there Uh, just just tell your neighbor you need to be there I don't care what you got going on, canceling, show up. You have to, whatever you're doing, it's not going to be as good as heart and soul anyway. So just show up, be there. We can't wait to see you there. But let me read this verse to you in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 14. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 14, and it reads as follows. After I looked things over, I, Nehemiah, stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Who's them? So let me give you just a little context here. Nehemiah was now in Jerusalem with a group of exiles. They were all of the Israelites who had got taken into captivity into Babylon. And Babylon, uh, they, they allowed them to go ahead and come on back to Jerusalem and rebuild the walls of their city. And um, they had a lot of opposition. There were a lot of people that did not want to see Jerusalem build their walls. There were a lot of haters. Haters have been around for a long time. Haters have been around for thousands of years. And so there were a lot of haters that did not want them to build the wall. And they made it very difficult for them. So Nehemiah saying, don't be afraid of them. The haters, those that oppose what we're doing. He goes on and says, remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families. Everybody say families. Fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. For the next few moments, I want to preach to you on this thought that I've entitled, not in my house, not in my house. Let's take a moment to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for all the incredible things that you are doing here. I thank you, God, for the moments that we've spent worshiping you and, Father, feeling your presence today. Now, God, we lean into what your word has to say for us. Father, we block off the noise, the distraction, the things that are competing for our attention, the priorities that will undoubtedly be there when we leave this place. We just set those things to the side and we lean into your word. We hear your spirit today, Father. As I speak corporately, would you speak individually so that every person will taste from your word and that they would be filled today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Clap your hands and you may be seated. 
not in my house. Well, church, listen, if you follow me on the gram, you know that I recently celebrated my 42nd birthday on Monday. Getting old sucks. There's nothing to celebrate about it. It's just... <laughs> It's so funny because it's like the different perspective we had because my kids, they, they think that you get a party every year. So I got to do something about these bougie kids because they literally want a party every single year. I'm doing something wrong. But uh, they're like, Dad, are we going to have a party for your birthday? And I just look at them and this is how you know you're getting old. You're like, son, there's nothing to celebrate about getting old. <laughs> Things start to hurt that didn't hurt before. You walk into rooms and you don't know why you walked in. You're like... I came here for something. I can't remember now. You guys know what I'm talking about? It's like you just don't remember things, and things start to hurt. And then it's like my sons are like, let's party. I'm like, let's not. There's, there's really no reason to party. My dad's got this great saying. He's here today. My dad has this great saying. He said, life is kind of like a roll of toilet paper. The closer you get to the end, the faster it goes. It just, you catching it? You catching the visual there? <laughs> the faster it goes. And, and, and that's what time feels like, right? The older we get, how many of you, the older you get, the quicker the years just seem to go by, right? They just, they, they just go. They, and, and you're like, wait a second. I, I felt like a year was forever. Now it feels like a month. What is happening with time? And I was nerding out, and I was kind of looking into time, and, and someone offered this, um, this idea as to why the older we get, the, the faster time seems to go. I love that. I want to share with you all. He said, you know, when you're four years old, one year, 365 days, is 25% of your lifetime. So it feels like an eternity because it's literally one-fourth of the time that you spent on this planet. But when you're 42 years old, I did the math, it is 2.3% of your lifetime. That's it, just 2.3%. I'm miserable for doing that to myself, by the way, but I did it. And so the impact of that same amount of time, it just feels different the older you are. And so the older you are, the less one year is relative to your lifespan. Now, I say all of that because I feel like that's how it is with God as well. Because God never changes. I'll say it again a little louder so I get a better amen. God never changes. Society changes. Culture changes. Fads come and go. Come on, somebody. The 90s style is back. Can you believe that? I, I went into the store to, pair, to buy, a, buy a pair of jeans. Do you want to know what the fit of the jeans was called? 90s slim. I love that because there was nothing slim about the 90s. It said 90s slim. And I was like, that is an oxymoron. I mean, we, the bigger, the better. Y'all remember that? We wore pants that were beyond. That was literally a cut of pants called beyond baggy, you know? Some of y'all wore them, all right? If you save them, they're in again. And, and anyway, uh, sometimes I see kids walking around. I'm like, I used to wear those jeans when I was in high school, you know, because I'm a kid in the 90s. And so uh, things have a way of repeating them. Uh, things have a way of just coming in and coming out and fads come and go. All of that happens, but God never changes. Society shifts, values, the values in our nation changes, but God does not change. And so what happens is with everything else changing, here's what happens. Write this down. We change, but God does not change. It's not just that the world and the culture shifts. What unfortunately happens as well is that we start to change. And that's not always a great thing. Sometimes it's good. There's some areas where we've got to get better as a humanity, as a race, as a civilization, as a nation. But there's some areas where we're not supposed to change. There's some things that aren't supposed to change. And, and one of the fallouts of biblical illiteracy, and if you've been a part of this church, you know I have harped on this for a long time. But the Bible is more accessible now than it's ever been, right? 
If, if you, if, if, how many of you got the Bible on your iPhone? How many of you got the Bible on your iPhone? Hold it up. Hold it just a second. Yeah, cool. I'm not going to ask about the Android. Put that down. Don't, don't bring that out. Nobody wants to see that. Nobody wants your blurry pictures. In Jesus' name, amen. So, I mean, you can get the Bible on your devices, everybody. And yet, with all of that, we are more biblically illiterate than we have ever been. Just because it is accessible doesn't mean that we know about the Bible. And so what has happened is God is not changing, but we change. And so we don't know God anymore. And, and you kind of know who he is or you might know about him, but it doesn't mean that you know him. How many know you can know a lot about someone not actually know them? Some of you know a lot about your favorite celebrity, your favorite athlete, your favorite singer, but they don't know you. <laughs> they don't know you. If you walk down the street, they would not say hi to you. You know a lot about them, but it doesn't mean that you know him. And, and what's happening in this church is church is becoming more and more a collection of people who know about God, but they don't know God. I, I'm worried about the church not actually knowing God for themselves. And here's what we've done. We've traded in what we should know about God for what culture thinks about God. Be careful with this lighthouse church because culture shifts, society shifts, group think shifts. And when it shifts, the church can blindly and unknowingly follow culture because they haven't actually found God for themselves in his word. They've not spent the time to know God for themselves. And here's the problem with that. Here's the problem with that. You don't go to your mechanic. I don't care how good your mechanic is. You don't go to your mechanic if you need dental work done, do you? Of course not. You don't go to the baker if you have a plumbing problem at your house, do you? You, do, you don't go to your doctor if you need to redo the landscaping in your backyard, do you? No, all of that sounds silly. We would never think of doing that. And yet so many times we will turn to people who have not been trained in the word of God and we allow them to form a, a, a our thoughts about God. You ever heard like a news anchor just try to weigh in on the scriptures and you know they ain't read the Bible in their life? It, it just stinks of ignorance, you know what I mean? You're like, why are you talking about this right now? Now, I'm not saying everybody has to be an expert in the word of God, but you ought to consider the sources of where you're getting information. You, you got to ask yourself, is this person even qualified to talk about this topic? Is this person even qualified to weigh in on this subject? And, and, and too many times, because society is shifting, culture is shifting, and, and we like to listen to TikTok preachers, you know what I mean? And nothing wrong with TikTok preachers. I'm just saying they're not always right, okay? And, 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 we, and we like to get blogger Christianity. Instead of actually reading our Bible, we read a blog. I don't know why, but we do. Sometimes we're letting people weigh in on the scriptures that aren't trained in the scriptures, and they're depositing misinformation into you. You guys heard about fake news? The Bible can be fake news to you if you don't actually go and study it for yourself. I, I've harped on this before where, you know, one time I heard this TikTok preacher say something, and I was like, yeah, that ain't in the Bible. Like, that's just, like, not in the Bible. You know, they're like, the Bible says God will help those who help themselves. I'm like, no, it ain't. Like, that's, that's not there. But people will listen to it because... It's not that they're misinformed, they're uninformed. They're not misinformed, they're just uninformed. So when you've not actually opened up this thing for yourself and because you're not informed, you'll believe what anyone says to you 
rather than actually figuring it out for yourself. Now, now, the reason I'm saying all this, Lighthouse Church, is we have got to get to the point where we are getting into our word and when we are praying together once again, and that is the way that we find God, okay? Not through TikTok videos, not through blogs. And listen, hear me, and I say this with all love and respect, and I don't want you to run out this tent right now. But not even just through Sunday services. This cannot be the peak of your Christian experience. If it is, there's something wrong. This is supplemental to your daily prayer life. This is supplemental to your daily Bible reading time. This is supplemental. It really is. You might not hear that from a lot of platforms because we got a lot of pastors with inflated egos and they want to be God's voice in your life. But I prefer that God's voice in your life is this. And I'm get the, I mean, that should be your bread. You know what I'm saying? Like if we're baking a cake, that's going to be the bread right there. Like I've said before, I'm the icing to the cake, okay? But you've got to get it for yourself. I, I do not have that inflated of an ego to think that you cannot pray and talk to God and come to truth for yourself. As a matter of fact, I want you to. That's why we started a Bible college here at Lighthouse Church, because we so want people to be informed in the word of God. And so you have got to find God for yourself and not trade in your ability to know about God, to hear from God, and just surrender that over to other people. Because we're, we're, we're surrendering that to society and that changes. We're surrendering that to culture and culture is changing. We surrender that to other people and, and there's this big movement right now of truth being relative and live your own truth and there is no absolute truth. It's whatever you want. I'm sorry, but, but that's, a, that's a path that's going to lead our nation down to a very, very difficult ending. There, there has to be right and wrong. There has to be truth. There has to be black and white. There has to be or else we get to this place where everyone is going to be in danger. And that's where we're headed because everyone is clinging to that. But, but God's word does not change. And God does not change. He is consistent. He is always with us. He is walking with us. And he desires to have all of your devotion. But what we've done in the church is we've traded our devotion to Christ to hooking up with him on Sundays. When all you do is come to church on a Sunday, and that's the extent of it, and you come and you check the box on, I, I went to church on Sunday. You're just kind of hooking up with him on Sundays. But you want, you, we need to be devoted to God. We, we, we have got to be devoted in following him. We have got to allow him to be the center of our lives, the center of our marriages, and the center of our homes. What we have done is we have traded in the immutable truth of God's word for that's just not my personal conviction. That's just not my personal conviction, Pastor Josh. Now, there are some areas in the Bible. There are some areas in the Bible where you get to make a decision, study it, make an informed decision, and that's okay. And there are some other places where you guys, listen, I don't care what you think. You're going against the word of God. Therefore, you're wrong, okay? There's just some place where it's like it's not a personal conviction. It is this word of God. It's the scriptures, and this is what we're going to do. You can't call it a personal conviction. And so, as I said earlier, we've stopped reading our Bible, and we've started reading blogs about people who are talking about the Bible, but you're not actually reading the Bible. And we've got to get back to Bible reading, and we've got to get back to prayer. That really is the hope of the church. I believe that now more than ever before. I don't believe that there's a quick fix to it. I don't believe there's a magic blue pill. I do not believe that there's another fad coming. I truly believe that the hope for the future of the church and the hope for the future of the world is a church that has gotten back to prayer and a church that has gotten back to the word of God and a church that has gotten back into devotion with Christ. 
Now, I'm going to tread lightly here. Hear what I say. Hear my heart here. Don't grab a sound bite, but hear my heart. The, the, the solution for the world today is still a praying church. If you're taking notes, write that down. A praying church is still the answer to the world today, not Christians in politics. And I'm not against Christians in politics. If, if, but so, so I think too many people are, are thinking that Christians and politics are going to fix things that only prayer can fix, and it's not going to fix it. Let me, let me read to you 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. The solution for a broke and dying world has always been a praying church that the solution to a world that is just changing and moving and shifting has always been a church on fire this world does not need a stale church this world does not need a marketable church this world needs a church that is sold out on fire passionate for christ that's the hope of the world that's the hope of the world there are some things that will only come out by prayer. Mark 9, 29, let's get it on the screens. Jesus said this when he was dealing with the kid with the bad spirit, and he cast out the bad spirit. All the disciples were like, how come we couldn't do that? We, we followed the systems. We followed the structure. We followed the strategy. We followed the process. And Jesus looked at them and says, this kind of devil only comes out by prayer. <laughs> this thing is only going to come out by prayer. And so we have got to get back to the very basics of devotion to God. We've got to get back to the very basics. Now, I know some of you are like, Pastor Josh, I kind of thought you were going to be talking about a family message. This is a family message, and I'm going to make my point very loud in just a minute. But as a family, what we have got to do is bring prayer and devotion back into our homes. We have got to bring prayer, devotion, Bible reading has to come back to our homes because here's what the Bible said would happen. The Bible said that this world would go sideways. Let me read 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Paul writes to Timothy. He says this, but mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, lovers of money boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents. Can I get a loud amen, mom and dad, in the tent today? Just, just every time your children are disobedient, just remember the rapture's coming, okay? It's like, good Lord, little devils. Anyway, uh, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Paul was telling Timothy, listen, Timothy, it's going to get crazy. It's going to get wild in the last days. Like, like, this is the direction that the world is headed in. Like, like, this is supposed to happen. Sometimes some people are like, Pastor Josh, it's really bad out there. I know it's bad. And, and, and unfortunately, it's going to get worse. Unfortunately, it's not going to get better. I don't care who the president is. It's not going to get better. I don't care who the governor is. It's still not going to get better. Like, like the Bible says that culture would go sideways. So what is our responsibility as mom and dad? Write this down. Your responsibility is to commit your children to the fear and the knowledge of God. That's priority number one in your household. I don't care how good of an athlete they are. That's secondary. I don't care how brilliant they are. That is secondary. I don't care what gifts and talents God deposits on the inside of your children. Commit them to the fear and the knowledge of God, and they will go a long way. Trust me. That, that's like the best thing that you can do, mom and dad, as a parent. But so many of us are distracted. We're, we're, we're trying to fix 
things that are happening outside of the home, and meanwhile, the home is broken. Let me just read to you a quote by a friend of mine, pastor friend, who posted this on social media this week. He said, I'm no longer concerned that prayer has stopped in the schools. I'm more concerned that it stopped in our homes. You guys following me now? Like, like we, like we, we want to go fix a dying and broken world, but we won't even fix what's in our house. We're, we're ignoring what's going on under our own roofs, and we want to go play politician, and our kids are acting crazy. And the truth of the matter is, is we've got to get that right. If we get that right, I believe we have much more hope of shifting things outside of our homes. But, but, but we can't get everything right outside of the homes and miss it in our homes. Listen to me. It's impossible to win and lose your family. If you lose your family, I don't care what you think you won. You've lost. You've absolutely lost. And so, mom and dad, simply bringing your children to church on Sundays is not enough. And we love your kids. They're having a blast right now. They're going to thank you for bringing them today. And you ought to bring them back next week, too, even when they're not wearing costumes. Like, you need to be bringing them. You need to be bringing them to church on Sundays. But make no mistake, mom and dad, it's not enough if you're not talking to them about God Monday through Saturday. It's not enough if you're not teaching them to pray Monday through Saturday. It's not enough if you're not reading the Bible together as a family Monday through Saturday. It is not enough if you are not discipling your children. Mom and dad, discipling your children is your responsibility. Thank you, Seisha. I know you want me to disciple your kids, but that's your responsibility. I will absolutely, we, we, we've got plans for your children. Uh, I'll share more at Heart and Soul, another plug. You got to be there. But like, like we got plans for your kids. But it's no replacement for your responsibility at home, mom and dad. And I tell you with all the love that I can, that you need to disciple your children. You have got to be sold out and, and, and bought into this idea that you need to disciple your children. When your children walk into the room, let them catch you reading your Bible. You know what I'm saying? Let, let your kids walk in on you weeping in prayer. I, I am 42 years old, and I still remember, I still remember walking into my mom's room, knocking on the door because I'm like, we're going to be late to school if we don't leave this house now. You know what I'm saying? It's like, and I would see my mom crying in prayer. I still remember that. I, I, I saw my mom crying in prayer in the morning. I saw my mom, I saw my dad in their Bible. Let your kids catch you in your Bible. Let, let your kids catch you in prayer. Another thing, let your kids catch you worshiping in church. I mean, like, I had a parent tell me, you know, back when I was a youth pastor, I said, Pastor, I just really want my, my son to worship God, and I, I want him to be on fire, and, you know, when the singing starts, I want him raising his hands, and I'm like, but you don't raise your hands. <laughs> you don't sing. Like, you look very upset. Like, if the joy of the Lord is your strength, somebody ought to tell your face. You know what I mean? Hey, you don't look very happy to be here. And you want your kid to somehow do something you don't do? Y'all know the discipleship is caught, not taught, right? They're going to look at you, mom and dad. So if you say to me, Pastor, this ain't happening with my kids, I'm going to look at you with that eye, that loving eye. It's, it's, it's loving, but it's kind of Samuel L. Jackson at the same time. It's like, you know... I'm looking at you. Some of y'all get that. Because they will do what they see you do. They're going to model your behavior. Now, for some of you, that's great. But for some of you, you got to rethink your posture. Some of you have to rethink what you are doing at home because they're going to model what they see you do. I put this one down. It's, it stings. I'll read it anyway because I love you. Y'all know that I love you, right? Yeah. 
Okay, let your kids see you being the type of Christians at home that you pretend to be on Sunday. Like, they know when you're faking it, right? Your kids know when you're faking it. So, so let them see you at home. Be the type of Christian you tell everyone you are on Sunday. They're standing next to you. They're like, how you doing, sister? Blessed and highly favored. Kids looking at you. You cussed me out in the parking lot. I almost called CPS on you. Blessed and highly favored. Like, that's your true serum right there. Like, these kids know. And discipleship begins at home. And mom and dad, it begins with you. And mom and dad, you've got to set the tone in your home. And here's the reason why. Here's the reason why. Discipleship is all about developing people from the inside out. That, that's always been God's design. That's always been God's heart. The gospel has always been changed from the inside, making its way to the outside. Now, the counterfeit gospel, the culture and the world that we live in is all about peer pressuring people from the outside in. Okay? So it's all about the world, the environment that we live in, trying to bully you in to becoming something that is not who God has designed and created you to be. So gospel says God uniquely designs and creates you, and from the inside out, he shapes you. Counterfeit gospel says we're going to bully you and peer pressure you to do something and make you feel like you're missing out if you're not doing it. Now, I grew up, and, and, and some of you are with me, I grew up where bullying was almost a rite of passage. How many of y'all got bullied growing up, and you're just, like, tougher because of it? You know what I mean? It's like, oh, I thought that was normal. Like, y'all didn't get hit like that? It's okay, I thought that was normal. You know, it, was, it was a rite of passage. I remember, you know, being, being a seventh grader and, and, and then the eighth graders bullying on you, but it was like just something we all do, you know what I mean? We just go right through it. Now, thankfully, bullying's gone. I'm, I, I'm really glad that it's no longer like that anymore. My wife's a counselor, and so there's been a lot of work to get bullying out of the schools. But how many of you know the, the devil just continues to dress up the same old tricks? So, so while bullying's made its way out, influencers have walked into the room, and they're trying to influence you to do something you shouldn't be doing. They're trying to influence you into smoking something. They're trying to influence you into sleeping with someone. They're trying to influence you and make you think that if you don't do this, you're missing out. What are they doing? They are trying to deform you. Because God, we, we, we are formed in the image of Christ, and they are deforming you into the image of this world, culture, and society. And, and so, so what happens is, is and uh, I have a sermon illustration, so George, you can bring that up at this time, or Sam will bring it up at this time. And so what happens is the outside, what's happening around us, everybody say around us. What's happening around us is constantly trying to change what God is trying to produce on the inside of us. God works inside out. The world works outside in. And they, they try to sell you on if you don't do this, you're missing something. If you don't do this, you're missing something. And you've got to do this, you're missing something. And, and, and so it is this counterfeit gospel of working from the outside inside. Now, the answer, Lighthouse, isn't that we withdraw and become recluses and, and don't, don't go out and shape and change our environments. As a matter of fact, write this down. God places us to bring change to our environments, but not to be changed changed by our environments, okay? I'm going to say that one more time. God places us to bring change to our environments, but not to be changed by our environments. There's a difference there, okay? And so we were studying about this at, at, our, at our Bible college. This is my second plug for the Bible college. We're talking about this at Bible college, and, and God led the people of Israel into Egypt. It was actually a place for them to grow. That was all part of God's plan. They were to grow they were to thrive, and they were to influence Egypt. Unfortunately, in Egypt, influenced them. 
So instead of them going into that environment and be carriers of godly culture, instead of being the image bearers of Christ to Egypt, they started to allow the culture to get on the inside of them. And so God has to pull them out of Egypt, raises up Moses like, all right, I'm pulling you guys out of Egypt. He brings them into the wilderness. And when he brings them into the wilderness, all they know how to do is what? Make gold cows and worship them because that's what they saw Egyptians do. They had gold birds and gold snakes and gold crocodiles and all that stuff. And so all they did when they got into the wilderness was do what they knew to do, which was idolatry. Because what was going on around them got inside of them. And they allowed culture to get on the inside of them. And that's why God eventually gives these ten commands to Moses. And he says, hey, tell them to do these things. And then eventually God says, I didn't even want those on, I didn't even want to write my commands on stones. I wanted to write them in your hearts. Because I'm always more concerned about what's going on on the inside than what is going on on the outside. And so there was this, God was working with them and trying to change them from the inside out. Everybody say inside out. God was trying to change it from the inside out. And, and, and mom and dad, you are the primary discipler of your children, which means your job is to raise them from the inside out. It is your responsibility to, to help them discover how God designed them so that they can go out into this world and make a change according to God's plans. Are you tracking with me? All right, let me, let me illustrate it because I think this, this is going to help some of you. So... So what happens is, if this, if this picture of glass right here and the water represents the world, what happens is we, we, we send our children into the world, and if they have not been discipled by us, then they go into the world, and what is in the world gets inside of them. And, and, and now, instead of them going into the world and bringing change to the world, they're being affected by the world. They're being discipled by the world. They're being deformed by the world because we've not done the hard job of putting something on the inside of them. You see, when you disciple your child and when you build up your child, you teach them how to pray, you teach them how to devotion, you teach them to love God. When you have built up your children, they are so full that when they get into the same environment, the environment doesn't get on the inside of them. Some of you need, you want a parenting class because you don't want to do the hard work of discipling your kids and you bring them to church and you say, Pastor, fix my kid. I'm not with your son on Monday. I'm not with your daughter on Tuesday. I'm not with your kids on Wednesday. You have got to do the hard work of discipling your children, putting a love for the word of God inside of them, putting a love for prayer inside of them, putting a hunger for the church inside of them, putting devotion for the things of God on the inside of them. And when you do that, when you do the hard work, when they get out into the world, you don't have to worry. You, you don't have to worry about the world getting on the inside of them, but you've got to be committed to doing this, mom and dad. Like, like you've got to be committed to doing this. But so many of us are sending them out and we haven't done the hard work. We, we're not discipling our children. They've not been taught how to pray. They've not been taught how to read their word. They've not been taught how to have devotion. And, and then, or this is what has happened to them. See, I, I get up here and I'm still processing all my PTSD from being, from being raised in the Pentecostal Holiness Church. No, I'm kidding. I'm good. I'm good. But, but let me just tell you about some of the things that I've seen and some of the things that I've observed. I, I think that we didn't do a good enough job feeling the insides of people. We didn't do a good enough job teaching people to love God. What we got really good at was rules. 
What we got really good at was regulations. What we got really good at was, you know, just keep the devil out. We were great at defense. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, we, we never played to win. We just played not to lose. You know what I mean? Like, it was just like defense. And the problem with that is, you know, we, 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 we teach people a lot about rules and regulation and then we get them into the world. They're like, ah, look, the world's not getting in them. Look, at, they're following the rules. And, and look, at they're, 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 the world's not getting I did a good job. They're following the rules. They're not breaking the rules and all the legalism. And, and look, at it, the world's not getting in them. But upon closer look, they're still empty. This is why 90% of my youth group that I grew up with ain't in the church today. We, we never taught them to love God. We just taught them not to sin. You can be taught not to sin and still not fall in love with Jesus. And what happens is you're empty, and this is why you go to college and you go crazy. Because now you got a little liberty that you've never had before in your life, and you're lacking substance. Because we made it more about modifying behavior than it did about a transformational experience with the creator, God, most high, almighty. I mean, what, what are we really doing, right? We, God wants to have a relationship with you and all we've taught our kids is don't sin. God wants to fill you with the power of his Holy Spirit and all we've told him is like, don't go to the movies. God wants to know you're like, you can't wear this. God wants, to, God wants to put his spirit on the inside of you and we've spent more time teaching them on places not to go. And, and, and so we grew up just simply being defensive. Keep the devil out. Keep the devil out. Keep the devil out. Keep the devil out. But I needed someone to teach me how to pray. Your kids need to be taught how to read their Bible. Because the Bible says that your word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against you. If I get the word of God on the inside of my heart, there's a lot of things I'm not going to want to do. And I was raised to believe, no, 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 don't, don't go there. Because if you go there, you're going to like it. And you're going to leave the church. Because you're going to really, really like it. And, 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 and now that I have so prioritized devotion and presence and word and knowing God I don't like any of that junk I don't want any of that stuff I mean Jesus said it this way the enemy comes to steal to kill and to destroy but I have come that you might have life and that you might have life in abundance I, I don't want to simply not sin I want to live an abundant life I want to be filled with his presence I want to be filled with his power I want his anointing to be on the inside of me so that in spite of any environment that I go to, I'm not going to sin against God. I am so full of the presence of God. Why would I want weed? I am so full of the presence of God. Why would I want to cheat on my wife? I am so full of the presence of God. Why would I run around and just be common like all the other kids at my school? We have got to be so full with the presence of God. And stop focusing on just plain keep away. We, we lost a generation. So many of my peers are not following Christ today. Matter of fact, a friend of mine told me that he went and reconnected with an old buddy from our youth group. He said, yep, Josh is pastor in a church. And he thought it was funny. He goes, what is this, 1999 again? Like it was some sort of joke. And I'm like, listen, I was actually serious. I don't know what you were doing in 1999, but I meant it. I said, when I wanted to follow Jesus, I was all in. And the world was not appetizing to me. And the things of the world didn't, didn't tempt me. And I'm not saying this to do any of that, but listen, when you get so full of the presence of God, 
You just won't allow things into your heart. You're just not going to allow things into your life. Paul said it this way, don't you know that your body is the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells where? Inside of you. And, and when you are full, it don't matter where you go, you, you're full. There's no room for anything else. There's no room for muck and mire and sin. And there's no room for it. But when you're on empty, it's real easy for this to get on the inside of you because there's nothing that has filled you. So Lighthouse, as I come to close, I want you to hear my heart, mom and dad. The best thing you can do for your kids. And if, you, if you're like thinking, I don't think you talked a lot about parenting. I spent two months talking about parenting. I just had to bring this home today. Your, mom and dad, get it right. Disciple your children. That's your responsibility. Raise them. And, it, and if you're feeling like, oh, pastor, but I'm not there, you can get there. Today's the day where you can come to Christ and say, say I, I, I'm, not, I'm not fully devoted to you. How can I expect my kids to be devoted to you? But today, I'm going to make a change. Today's the day where I begin again. Today's the day where I make a fresh start. Today's the day where I commit my life to you. Today's the day where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop playing games with you. I'm not going to be a part-time Christian. I'm going all the way in. So right there, would you close your eyes and bow your heads? If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus and you want to make a decision to follow Jesus in a moment, I'm going to have you raise your hands. And the second prayer that I'm going to do, the second call is if you want to recommit your life to Christ because you're compelled. You know, I'm not, I'm not doing it like that, Pastor John. I, I, you know, I'm just not, I'm not living that way. I'm not, I'm not doing things that way. But, but I need to make a change. Today's going to be day for a fresh start. So again, if you want to make a first-time decision to follow Jesus, or if you want to make a fresh start right here, right now, in this moment, throw that hand up in the air. Come on, throw that hand up in the air real big so we can pray for you. We see you. We see you. We see you. You can put your hands down. Stay in that posture of prayer. Thank you. We see you. But listen to me. If you rose your hand, more importantly, God sees you. You didn't need for me to see you. But I was leading you to a step where now God sees you. He sees your willingness. He sees your heart. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say, lead you in a prayer. So many times we don't know what to do or say next. So as I pray this prayer, repeat these words. As a matter of fact, the worship team is going to repeat them with me. And for those of you in the tent that can repeat them with me, that would be so great. So we walk people through their next step. But let's pray this prayer together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I receive you into my heart. Here in this tent, I commit my life to you. I recommit my life to you. Forgive me of my sins. All that I have done wrong. I, I, I need your forgiveness. I receive your forgiveness because I know I'm already forgiven. So come into my heart. Come into my life. I commit myself to you. Never to be the same again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, clap your hands real big for everyone that just made that decision. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet right now. We're going to get ready to go into a time of worship. We always do this to close our services. If you made a decision right now to follow Jesus and you're like, man, what's, what's my next step? I would love to connect with you. Please make sure you go to the Start Here canopy at the conclusion of our service. Let them know, hey, I made a decision to follow Christ. We want to make sure we get your information. We're going to connect with you. And what we would love to do is get you to go to our growth track. That happens next month. That's your next step. And we're going to walk you through your next step of baptism. So 
the best thing you can do is connect with us. We're going to get you to our growth track, which is where we send everyone who makes the decision to follow Jesus because we want to help you on this journey. We don't want this just to be an emotional response. We thank you for that response. We believe that today's a fresh start, but we want more for you, okay? So let's just worship God all together. Come on, let's raise our hands, and let's just close our time together with this moment of worship. Come on, let's give God all our worship right now. Come on, raising our hands. pastors come up lighthouse church pastors when you run on up to this altar the last thing we're going to do before we we dismiss you and i know this isn't for everyone but i think this is for a lot of people we would love to pray for you we don't like to dismiss without the opportunity for you to come on down here the church we call it an altar call it's just an opportunity for you to respond if you need prayer our pastors are here they want to pray with you so whatever your issue is we're not here to ask we're just here to pray with you if you got a big need run on down to these altars we would love to pray with you if your marriage is in need of some prayer run on down here we want to pray with you if your kids are in need of prayer run on down here we want to pray with you if you got sickness come on down here we would love to pray with you we're going to bring the worship back in and again and this is how we're going to close it come on up if you need prayer stay with us worship some more for those that you have to go god bless you all have a great sunday we'll see you next week if this message has blessed your life i want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.